Part One, Chapter Eight of Mountains in the Mist. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lawrence Trask, Mount Vernon, Ohio. InterfaceAudio.com. Mountains in the Mist by Frank W. Borum. Part One, Chapter Eight the pioneer every australian has reverently raised his hat at some time or other to mr mccubbin's great picture the pioneer it holds a place of honor in the melbourne art gallery and copies of it have found their way into every home in the commonwealth i speak of it as a picture but it is really three pictures in one frame the first of the set represents the pioneer on pilgrimage there stands the wagon the horses are turned out to forage for food among the scrub. The man himself is making a fire under a giant blue gum, and in the very foreground sits the sad young wife, her chin resting heavily upon her hand, and her elbow supported by her knee. Her dark eyes are eloquent with unspeakable wistfulness, and her countenance is clouded with something very like regret her face is turned from her husband lest he should read the secret of her sorrow and see that her heart is breaking she is overwhelmed by the vastness and loneliness of these great australian solitudes and her soul like a homing bird has flown back to those sweet english fields and fond familiar faces that seem such an eternity away across the wilds and the waters the pioneer's wife the center picture the largest of the trio shows us the freshly built home in the depths of the bush the little house can just be seen through a rift in the forest in the foreground is the pioneer he is clearing his selection and rests for a moment on a tree that he has felled his axe is beside him and the chips are all about before him stands his wife with a little child in her arms the soft baby arm lies caressingly about her shoulders in the third picture we can see through the trees a town in the distance in the immediate foreground is the pioneer he alone figures in all three pictures he is kneeling this time beside a rude wooden cross it marks the spot among the trees where he sadly laid her to rest the pioneer it is by such sacrifices that these broad Australian lands of ours have been consecrated. Oh, the brave, brave women of our Australian bush! We have heard, even in Tasmania, of their losing their reason through sheer loneliness, and too often they have sunk into their graves, with only a man to act as a nurse and doctor and minister and grave-digger all in one. George Essex Evans has sung sadly enough the red sun robs their beauty and in weariness and pain the slow years steal the nameless grace that never comes again and there are hours men cannot soothe and words men cannot say the nearest woman's face may be a hundred miles away the white bush holds the secrets of their longing and desires when the white stars in reverence light their holy altar fires in silence like a touch of god sinks deep into the breast perchance he hears and understands the women of the west yes there is a world of pathos and significance in that solitary grave in the lonely bush 
and he who can catch that mystical meaning has read one of life's deepest and profoundest secrets he is not very far from the kingdom of god i used to think that the finest thing on earth was self-sacrifice it was a great mistake this picture of the pioneer reminds me that there is a form of sacrifice compared with which self-sacrifice is a very tame affair i say that the picture reminds me for it was the bible that taught me of that sacrifice supreme take two classical stories from the old testament both of which are recited in that glowing chapter that dr jowett calls the westminster abbey of the bible the eleventh chapter of the epistle to the hebrews the stories are those of abraham's sacrifice of his son and jephthah's sacrifice of his daughter only children both of them what a small thing in comparison with either of these sacrifices self-sacrifice would have been abraham would gladly have died a hundred deaths rather than have lifted the knife against his son his only son isaac and how cheerfully jephthah would have gone to the altar if by doing so he could have saved his daughter there are a few passages even in the bible more charged with tender emotion than those two phrases take now thy son thine only son isaac whom thou lovest and she was his only child beside her he had neither son nor daughter i know that there are those who like principal douglas think that jephthah did not slay his daughter upon the altar but resigned her to a kind of convent life as to that there are only two things to be said first of all i cannot imagine that anyone who has read dr marcus dodd's monograph or dr alexander white's lecture or dean stanley's illuminating exposition can hold that view as dean stanley says a more careful study of the bible has brought us back to the original sense and with it returns the deep pathos of the original story and the lesson which it reads of the heroism of the father and the daughter to be admired and loved in the midst of the fierce superstitions across which it plays like a sunbeam on a stormy sea and the second thing is that for my present purpose it does not affect the argument one of the most touching letters in our literature is the letter written by lord russell of kilowen recently lord chief justice of england to his daughter may on her resolving to enter a convent my darling child lord russell says god's will be done it is a terrible blow to your mother and me we hoped selfishly no doubt to have your sunshiny nature always with or near us in the world a world in which we thought and think good bright souls have a great and useful work to do well if it cannot be so we bow our heads in resignation we have no fear that you will forget us after all it is something for us poor dusty creatures of the world with our small selfish concerns and little ambitions to have a stout young heart steadily praying for us i know we can depend on this i know that you will not forget your promise to me should serious misgivings cross your mind before the last word is spoken i rely on this god keep you and guard you my darling child is the prayer of your father nobody who has read lord russell's biography will ever be seriously affected by the alternative presented in the case of jephthah's daughter the point is that the sacrifice of one who is dearer than life itself is manifestly a greater sacrifice than self-sacrifice it is such a sacrifice that mr mccubbin has painted 
it is by such sacrifice that our australian scrub has been sanctified it is made as sacred as a shrine and it sands more precious than gold we take off the shoes from off our feet for the place whereon we stand is holy ground and it is such a sacrifice under either interpretation that jephthah made the book of maccabees celebrates the virtues of that noble jewish mother who stood by whilst one after another her seven sons were cruelly tormented and slain as first one and then another was tortured she pleaded with each as he loved her to suffer and die rather than prove false to his father's faith her sacrifice to her seven sons who were more to her than her own flesh and blood was the sacrifice supreme the sacrifice of herself seems small in comparison that is the lesson i learn as i gaze on mr mccubbin's picture if only the pioneer struggle had led to his own death that would have been a very little price to pay but that cross in the scrub oh yes the pioneer knew and abraham knew and jephthah knew and that noble jewish woman knew and lord russell of kilowin knew that there is a sacrifice infinitely greater than self-sacrifice there lies before me an old copy of fox's book of martyrs how we underrate many of these stories as though the lions or the stake or the rack represented the real torture that is merely self-sacrifice but there is a greater wonder here for those who have eyes anointed to see it here for example is the story of perpetua ordered for being a christian to be thrown to wild beasts at carthage perpetua was a young widow aged twenty-six with an infant child at her breast her aged father visited her in prison and implored her on his knees for the sake of his gray hairs to make some offering to the roman gods indeed so passionate did he become in his frantic anxiety to save his daughter that he tried to carry her off and received a staggering blow from one of the prison officers perpetua said that she felt that blow on her old father's head more than anything that she herself had suffered now wherein lay the martyrdom of perpetua the pictures would have us believe that it consisted in being torn to pieces by wild beasts i do not believe it that is mere self-sacrifice the sacrifice supreme was made when she kissed her baby for the last time and threw her arms about the bowed and broken form of her father whose old age she was leaving comfortless it cost poor perpetua little to sacrifice herself but it broke her heart to sacrifice their happiness and welfare now these two perpetua's aged father and perpetua's little babe are representative characters they are like symbols emblems types they stand for a great deal i have seen a young missionary's face blanch as he looked towards a horrid climate steaming with fever and malaria but the agony was not for himself it was as easy to die among these pestilential bogs and swamps as anywhere else but what of the old folks at home here is perpetua's father over again we remember how when w c burns set out for china in eighteen forty six his mother found it so hard to part with him that after walking some distance with him from the old homestead she seemed unable to endure any longer the intensity of her emotion and giving him a vigorous push said there no i gin thee to the lord go 
it is that kind of thing that makes the departure so hard it is the problem of perpetua's father perpetua's child too i think i have seen its counterpart what of livingstone and his family in the desert he saw his children dying of fearful thirst under his very eyes the agony of it mr sylvester horn says must have nearly killed him the less there was of water the more thirsty livingstone says the little rogues became the idea of their perishing was terrible here is the anguish of the pioneer what is self-sacrifice compared with this and that little grave in the desert where they buried the baby hers says the father was the first grave in all that country marked as the resting place of one whom it is believed and confessed that she shall live again as i stand beside this little tomb in central africa i am back once more with perpetua saying good-bye to the child of her bosom this surely is the sacrifice supreme and then i see livingstone digging with his own hands that other grave under the great baob tree at chupanga and moaning o oh mary my mary i loved you when i married you and the longer i lived with you the more i loved you and when i reverently gaze upon this I look again at Mr. McCubbin's third picture, the pioneer kneeling by the lonely cross, and I fancy that I am not far from the very heart of things. History and experience abound with instances of this sacrifice that is greater than self-sacrifice. In his autobiography, Dr. Thomas Guthrie tells of a visit paid him by the great Dr. McCree, the historian of John Knox. My second son, James, says Dr. Guthrie, was then an infant in the nurse's arms and i distinctly remember the great and good man taking him in his arms and saying as he held out the child to me and in allusion to the martyrdom of that other james guthrie the covenanter would you be willing that this james guthrie should suffer as the other did for the church of christ and later on in the great disruption days the scene came back with poignant force to the memory of dr guthrie for when the ministers left their kirks and manses for conscience' sake, it was the wives and children that suffered most. In one home, a home that had known many cradles and many coffins, and in which every flower and shrub and tree was dear to them, Guthrie heard, through the partition, the moaning of the minister's wife. That woman's heart was like to break. In another locality, he said, there was a venerable mother who had gone to the place when it was a wilderness, but who, with her husband, had turned it into an Eden. Her husband had died there. Her son was now the minister. She herself was eighty years of age. When I looked upon her aged head, white with many snows and sorrows, I felt it was a cruel thing to tear her from the house that was dearer to her on earth yes the sacrifice of the disruption ministers was far more than self-sacrifice it was the sacrifice of children and wives and mothers like these they went out to starve on the moors and hillsides of scotland with such heart-rending cries in their ears that was the sacrifice supreme and so as i turn again to mr mccubbin's painting i seem to be looking not at a picture not at three pictures but at a gallery for there are others companion pictures ranging themselves about it a picture of abraham standing beside the prostrate form of his son his only son isaac 
a picture of jephthah offering his daughter on the altar in the valley a picture of the noble jewish matron and her seven heroic sons a picture of perpetua and her tearful farewell to her infirm father and her clinging babe a picture of livingston in his anguish beneath the great baobab tree a picture of the disruption ministers going out into the unknown accompanied by weeping women and hungry children a picture of john bunyan too kissing before going to bedford jail the upturned face of his sightless girl poor child how hard it is like to go with thee in this world thou must be beaten must suffer hunger cold and nakedness and yet i cannot endure that even the wind should blow upon thee here is a stately gallery a glorious company this this goodly fellowship a noble army of testifiers and as i still gaze at this great gallery all the pictures including mr mccubbin's picture seem to range themselves around one great central canvas i said just now that as i turned from the scene beside mary livingston's grave and from the picture of the pioneer beside the lonely cross i felt that i was not far from the heart of things for surely these sacrifices each of them infinitely greater than self-sacrifice are but faint radiations and dim reflections of the love that is everlasting the sacrifice supreme god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son gave his only son god gave his son all these sacrifices that are greater than self-sacrifice point steadily up to that we may leave the gallery now and we shall leave it with bowed heads end of part one chapter eight recording by lawrence trask mount vernon ohio interface audio dot com